the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. Yes, indeed it is, and a good morning to you. Thank you for joining us. Ten minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on a Thursday morning. The first morning of the month of groom in the year of our Lord, 2023. You heard it. I said it correctly. I did not misspeak. It is the month of groom, and it will be referred to as such, well, from this point forward. Uh, as long as they are going to spend 30 days of high-pressure recruiting and brainwashing and indoctrinating of children into a bizarre, deviant lifestyle that involves trying to convince them to change themselves into something they're not, to become part of a, uh, a cult, quite frankly, the LGBTQ cult, uh, as long as they're going to continue to do this to our children, as long as they're going to continue to not just be, quote, proud of themselves, as one might think Pride Month suggests, but to actually recruit other members to join them, we will refer to it as exactly that, grooming. This is the month of groom, and it is Groom First 2023. Uh, got a program lined up for you today. Coming up in a half an hour, Dave Yost, the Attorney General of the State of Ohio, is going to join us. 
And I'm so glad to be able to talk to the Attorney General because I've been very, very enthusiastic about his uh, his statement, his declaration. He issued a legal opinion last week on transgender bathroom use regulations in the state of Ohio. Green uh, County Prosecutor David Hayes had asked the Attorney General's office whether policies limiting the use of restrooms, changing rooms, locker rooms, shower rooms, limiting them to someone's assigned, and I don't like that language, it's not accurate, but this is what they're calling it, assigned birth gender would violate Ohio law. Dave Yost took it seriously and issued an opinion, a lengthy one, a very comprehensive one, and in my view, and I think in the view of anybody with an ounce of common sense and a basic understanding of human biology, uh, a correct opinion. That's what he issued. So we're going to talk to him about that coming up uh, at 9.35. At 10.10, we're going to talk to Dr. Piper, and you better believe we're going to stay in the culture wars with Dr. Piper, as we as we always do and always are. And those are our guests today, Dave Yost and Dr. Everett Piper. That leaves plenty of room for you before and after at 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110 to get your thoughts on the program this morning. Now, before we get into the top news story of the morning, I'm going to ask you, I know yesterday we waited until the end of the 9.30 or the uh, first half hour of the show to uh, give you our Pledge of Allegiance right before 9.30. Let's do that now, patriots. I know it means a lot to you, otherwise I wouldn't do this every day. Uh, we do. We have calls. We have comments. When people, if we miss or delay the start of the Pledge of Allegiance, people get a little bit upset. And you know what I think about that? I think I love it. I love it. And I love you for loving this country. Uh, face your flag. Put your hand on your heart and join us for our Pledge of Allegiance. If you are a believer in indoctrinating children as part of a political movement, well, you don't have to stand and pledge your allegiance to this flag. You are probably more comfortable protesting over there on a knee next to that unemployed quarterback. For the rest of us, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. So, we are under attack. That's not new news. In particular, our children are under attack. That is also not new news. But I want to focus on a different part of the attack we face right now, and and that is our church. Our church is under attack. And while I'm very specifically going to be mentioning Catholic churches, obviously this applies to all people of the Christian faith who are under attack for daring to believe in God, in his Son, in the Holy Spirit, the covenant and the pact made with us, his people, um, anybody who fits that bill, you are under attack as well. The Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence story, which is not going to end until baseball does something about it. Um, remember, that's that group is planned to be honored with the Community Hero Award by the Los Angeles Dodgers a little bit later this month on Groom 16th. And um, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, with their mockery, their blasphemous mockery of all things Christian, specifically Christ himself, specifically his mother, uh, the passion and suffering that he endured, his his death, his resurrection, all of it is part of sexualized mockery by this group 
uh, posing as Catholic nuns. They have enraged and angered Americans all over the place, Christians all over the place, myself included, because we've talked about it numerous times on this program. And apparently it has also enraged and offended and upset a Catholic priest at St. Raphael Parish in uh, Bay Village. And apparently this Catholic priest dared to stand before the flock and express that anger and express that frustration, that sadness, that confusion as to how and why our church and our Christ can be so openly mocked with the willing approval of so many. In particular, like I said, the organization that runs the Los Angeles Dodgers being Major League Baseball. How is it that this is okay? It's not okay, he said. And the story on Cleveland.com that was shared with me last night and the story that is on in the plain dealer that was in the plain dealer focuses on how wrong he was how wrong he was to issue during his sermon an impassioned defense of the church now mind you and I'm going to share with you what they wrote mind you he did not spend his time in the sermon condemning anybody in the LGBTQ organization other than those, quote, sisters of perpetual indulgence, the drag queens that do the mockery of the faith. Other than them, he, 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 he criticized no one. He simply defended that which he is a presider over, and that is his church. He defended our church, our faith. And the way the story is being presented, it's that he did something wrong and hurt and upset members of the LGBTQ community. Let him know about it. Allow me to read from Cleveland.com and the Cleveland Plain Dealer. As much as we can take of it anyway. A Bay Village priest is facing backlash after saying the church is under attack and referencing a pro-LGBTQ nonprofit in a sermon on Sunday. Already, already, sentence one, paragraph one, and you know the kind of story you're about to get. They call the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence a pro-LGBTQ nonprofit, not an anti-Christian, anti-Catholic hate group, an LGBTQ nonprofit. Already we're in trouble. The Mass was interrupted when someone stood up and challenged the issue. We haven't even heard what he said yet. But the focus is on the people who were hurt and who were challenging the issue. Later, police were called to an incident outside of the House of Worship. During a service at St. Raphael Parish, the Reverend Timothy Garreau, the church's pastor, referenced the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence being awarded the Community Hero Award by the Los Angeles Dodgers for service to the LGBTQ community. Quote, Look at the Los Angeles Dodgers. Look what's happening. Defaming the name of Jesus Christ. Defaming the name of every Christian here on earth. It just burns a hole in my heart. Angers me. 
and embitters me, and it should you, end quote, he said during his homily, which was streamed, live-streamed online. The videos have since been removed from the church's Facebook page. Now, it should go without saying here that if you know anything about St. Raphael Parish, if you know anything about uh, uh, Pastor or Father Garo, um, I want to hear from you. I want to know if you are a member of that church, how you feel about them taking down his, his sermon, his defense of his own church and all of our church. Those, again, you don't have to be Catholic either, but if you're Christian, this is an attack on all of us, as he said. I want to hear from you about this. But I continue. The Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence is a California-based nonprofit organization that uses drag performances and religious imagery to satirize the Catholic Church and raise money for the LGBTQ community. Again, this is cleveland.com slash Cleveland Plain Dealer left-wing bull stuff. The way they describe this. Satirizing the Catholic Church? That's not satire. That is straight-up mockery and blasphemy. Having a near-naked man stand up against a wooden cross with his arms outstretched, while another near-naked man climbs up and straddles the cross arm of that cross and gyrating his hips into the face and over the shoulders of the man standing there posing as Christ, that's not satire. That's hatred. That's mockery. That is, that is, that is every vile thing that you can describe. It has nothing to do with satire. It's filth. It's sexualization of the, of the Christian faith and open mockery, again, of, of, of Jesus Christ. Father Garreau continued in his sermon on Sunday, I don't want to give these people a name. I don't want to give them that much credit. But it's happening. And it's also being affirmed. I want to cry. But we have the Spirit, we have the Spirit of the living God who is upon us, who is with us, who is among us, and within us, end quote. Now I ask you, what did he say in what I have read thus far, and this is all I have, is the left-wing version of all of this from uh, the uh, uh, Cleveland Plain Dealer and Cleveland.com. From what you, and I would imagine, because they are what they are, and they are already defending the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, calling them a non-profit, calling them heroes, calling them just satirizing the Catholic Church, you know they're going to give you the worst thing that the Father could possibly have said in this story. Right? Their angle is obvious. So if this is the worst that they have, that he said that watching this this mockery and this hateful demonstration against Christ and against our church burns a hole in my heart. It angers me and it embitters me. But we have the Spirit. We have the Spirit of the living God who is upon us, who is with us, who is among us, and who is within us. If that's, 
if that's his crime, somebody tell me how this is a news story. Somebody tell me how St. Raphael in Bay Village took down the sermon. But the plain dealer didn't want to focus on just what he said. He wanted They wanted to focus on the victims. The what? Yeah, victims. Afterward, a person who attended the service walked up to the altar, approached the microphone, and condemned Garot's sermon. Quote, Queer and trans people also carry the Holy Spirit, and that was really painful to hear. That was really hurtful, end quote. The speaker who went by the name of Avery said they now live in Georgia with their wife and was once a member of St. Raphael. Avery said they are transgender and use they pronouns in an email to cleveland.com and the plain dealer. And the plain dealer, of course, dutifully uses ridiculous nonsensible plural pronouns to describe this singular individual. And they write, You baptized me. I carry the Holy Spirit within me, they told Garot. I know you're talking about the Sisters of Indulgence, and I understand that from the outside it looks like they are defaming from the Catholic faith. And let me pause there to say, What? From the outside? From all sides. From outside, from inside, from upside, from downside, from sideways. Of course they're defaming the Catholic faith. But that's okay, according to this person. Because, quote, there are queer children here. The Spirit of God moves through all people, end quote. Then three men attending the service approached Avery and led, quote, them off the altar. After facing backlash, backlash, Father Garo, Father Garo declined to comment when contacted by Cleveland.com and Cleveland Plain Dealer. The Dodgers, of course, are just humming right along here, despite some baseball players taking up the mantle here and standing up for their faith. Some baseball players condemning what they are doing. Some condemning it and then walking it back because they're afraid of the backlash themselves. But they're going to continue on with their plan so far, anyway. It's 15 days away on Groom 16th to honor this uh, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. But meanwhile, churches are supposed to, I guess, stand there and absorb the attacks. Stand there and say nothing to defend the faith that they have devoted their lives to. Priests are not allowed to defend the Catholic Church when... Drag queens sexualize the convent, mocking Catholic nuns in sexual performances, and he's not allowed to say anything because it might hurt the feelings of a few people who decide to describe themselves as queer? Wait, what? What about the feelings of the faithful? What about the feelings of the priest? What about the feelings of the flock, of the congregation, of the parish? What about the feelings of 70 million Catholics and a couple hundred million Christians? What about their feelings? Why are the only feelings that are considered to be uh, uh, important here those of a handful of people who support Men dressing as women and doing sex dances around a cross, around a a pseudo-crucified Christ. 
What about everybody else's feelings? I am endeavoring to reach out to Father Garreau in uh, in in uh, Bay Village. I am hopeful he declined to speak with the Cleveland Plain Dealer for obvious reasons. I am hopeful that he will not decline to speak with me because we, the faithful people of Northeast Ohio, whether you know Father Garreau, whether you know St. Raphael in, in uh, Bay Village or not, it doesn't matter. We have to stand up for him. We have to stand up for ourselves. If we do not, obviously, no one will. We're going to talk to Attorney General Dave Yost coming up next after the news on AM 1420 The Answer. Always right radio on the answer. Nine thirty six. Appreciate you being with us this morning. Dr. Everett Piper joins me in about a half an hour. But uh, we're joined now by a man that I want to say thank you to. That's the reason I uh, requested to have him on this morning. I, w- I was very excited last week when I uh, saw the response to the request for a legal opinion that was made of the Attorney General of the State of Ohio, Dave Yost, by Green County Prosecutor David Hayes, asking whether policies that limit the use of restrooms and changing rooms and locker rooms and shower rooms, etc., in Ohio, uh, to people based on their, quote, assigned birth gender, which just means based on whether they're male or female, would violate Ohio law. Dave Yost, ish- Yost issued that opinion on Friday last week. And uh, to say that it is uh, inspired is an understatement. It is exactly what should be said, and to have it said by the top cop, if you will, in the state of Ohio is extremely important as we fight this fight. Uh, Attorney General Dave Yost joins us now at AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning, Attorney General. How are you, sir? Good morning. I'm well. How about yourself? I'm terrific. I'm terrific. Other than the fact that it's uh, it's Groom First 2023, and we have a very, very difficult month in front of us. Uh, other than that, I'm doing great. I was very happy to read <laughs> your opinion, Attorney General Yost, because this is so fundamental and so obvious it needs to be just clarified and i believe you did that and you know it's kind of odd you you used a lot of words it took a lot of pages to make what is a very simple point uh clear to everybody but it needed to be done and it needed to be done from your office so that we can stop with this nonsense about people who feel a certain way being able to infiltrate the private spaces of privacy of people of the opposite sex most particularly girls and women who, who are who are vulnerable in said places um, so I'm going to start by just asking you, um, was this a difficult thing for you to come up with? Well, you know, this is kind of an unusual, really a hot-button uh, request. Uh, just to be terribly candid, the news media, for reasons that uh, I, I frankly don't understand, have latched on to uh, this issue as being the new civil rights issue. Um and so there's a lot, a lot of ground to cover here. The Boston decision uh, a couple of years ago that uh, held the Title VII, I guess maybe even last year, that held that uh, the uh, Title VII civil rights protections extend to sexual orientation uh, raised some questions, uh, probably raised more questions than it answered. And so we needed to do a deep dive. I'm sorry about all the words, but uh, when you're dissecting the application of uh, a federal Supreme Court decision and its application, if any, to a state statute, uh, there's a lot of issues you've got to work through on the legal side, even though uh, 
some people might say, well, duh, yeah, it's common sense. Well, exactly, you're exactly right, and and no apologies for the use of a lot of words. You put a lot of you had to put a lot of thought into this, and you have to make sure that you cover every base, and so that when you issue your legal opinion, people can say, "Well, he didn't consider this, or he didn't consider that." You proved that you did, which is what I love about it. But yet, despite all of that, it's a very very simple concept. You know, the idea that men should be in private spaces where men are, and 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 women with women, shouldn't be that complex. It shouldn't be that difficult. But you needed to make it that way. So so let's talk about what your opinion was. And again, let me go back to the beginning. Uh, Green County Prosecutor David Hayes is the one who made the request for your legal opinion. What was the basis of that request? Well, Ohio has a law called the Public Accommodation Statute. And what it says is you can't um, deny anybody the full enjoyment of a public facility based on any protected class. And we all know what those are, right? Race, race. Uh, sex, uh, creed, national origin, et cetera, um, uh, except on terms that are equally applicable to everyone. Uh, and, and so the question was, does that law mean that a locker room, a bathroom, a changing room in a public facility, uh, county-owned, school-owned, city-owned, does that uh, statute require people to you quote unquote use the uh, the facility assigned to their preferred gender, and it's important to recognize the difference between sex and gender. Uh, sex is your biological uh, chromosome determined uh, male or female uh, biology. The gender roles are uh, separate, they are cultural, and uh, so we're, we can't, we tend to use them uh, interchangeably, but in the context uh, of a case like this, uh, we really need to be careful about which word means what things. Okay, we're going to have to dig a little deeper on that then. We're talking with Attorney General Dave Yost this morning on AM 1420. The answer, he has uh, issued a legal opinion about a week ago on transgender bathroom use regulations. So this is something that those who argue on behalf of transgender individuals to be able to use whatever they want, they are the ones who literally say there is a separation between sex and gender. Biological sex is not what we're talking about. Our gender is who we are inside, who we know ourselves to be. So therefore, um, you can't discriminate against us based on that as well. Now, you are also saying there's a difference between sex and gender. They're going to use those words against you. How do you, how do you clarify that? based on your ruling or, well sorry, you your see opinion. That, i beg your pardon your opinion i gotta be clear <laughs> that's not a legal ruling but an opinion yes sir yes sir uh so bob this is a, this is actually fundamental uh I, I don't need to defend it because it, it's a true thing sex is chromosomal okay i i have an xy chromosome uh structure um i have male genitalia uh, I my sex is male. Now, I'm my gender is also male. I'm very comfortably uh, what the, the, uh, is disparagingly called cisgender uh, by some folks. Uh, but let's let's say that I didn't fit neatly into the uh, male gender in the way that we think about it. Uh, 
Um, you know, let, let's say I didn't like hunting, or, you know, not a hunter-gatherer, or I'm not uh, inclined to, you know, fight when threatened. Things that are, those are masculine gender roles. Um, you can be a male and not ascribe to one or more of those gender traits that are, are cultural within our, our society, uh, cultural within religious contexts. Um, but here's the, here's the challenge, and uh, I've noticed that some of the news media have been mocking this um, by say, because this is a subjective determination, and I, I'm hearing people say, well, you know, you're, you're denigrating that. You're saying, you know, how can you say that we're choosing uh, to, you know, our, our gender. Well, the difference between an objective and a subjective determination is whether somebody who is uninterested in the outcome or the answer to that can look without any other information and determine by sight, measurement, touch, taste, smell, things that are objective, what the thing is. Now, we can tell whether someone's sex is objectively one or the other or neither in the case of perhaps a hermaphrodite. But gender role, how, how are you supposed to understand somebody's gender unless they tell you? Mm-hmm. There is no objective test for it. Um, and and that's, the, that's the key here. Because the law can't recognize subjective matters, the law is necessarily objective, objective. Um, Attorney General Yost, very, very well put, by the way. Um, I, I, kind of, I kind of define it as personality, quite frankly. There is sex and then there is personality. You may be a biological male, but if you have feminine traits and feminine feelings and ideas, that's just part of your personality. You don't get to change what you are or can try to convince somebody that you are not what you are biologically because of your own personality and thus be um, provided with uh, accommodations in the opposite sex you know, facilities based on that personality. Which is when, and, and when I said that you're a opinion was inspired you managed to cover all of the legal points but while also covering the common sense points and common sense tells us we have to protect certain people in our society and it's a sad reality that that women are victimized by men overwhelmingly more than men are victimized by women and so when you put in your opinion quote allowing men to share bathrooms changing rooms and locker rooms with women increases the ease with which biological males and most especially men who identify as men can victimize women and girls end quote that that's that's all it should take we, no one should should question whether or not their daughter their wife or their mother is safe when they go into a a gym locker room or shower room or changing room or or, or bathroom right that's that's common sense you know uh it, it's amazing how far the left has traveled in a, a very short period of time uh ruth bader ginsburg who no one would confuse with a conservative uh wrote uh earlier in her career it is necessary for society, for men and women, to have separate private spaces for disrobing uh, and bodily functions. Uh, 
Um, that, that's not Dave Yost or, or, you know, some crazy right winger that's saying that. It's Ruth Bader Ginsburg, um, Harry Blackman. I'm sorry, not Harry Blackman. Uh, Thurgood Marshall, uh, the great pioneer of, of civil rights, the guy who argued uh, Brown versus Board of Education, says there's a huge difference between a men-only sign on the courthouse door versus the restroom door. Very well said, and and of course it is. Uh, it, there is a huge difference there, and uh, and and I'm glad that you brought that up. And and uh, Attorney General Dave Yost, I want going back now again to the origin here, the request for your opinion on the matter. It was a case in Greene County where a trans woman, uh, otherwise known as a man, was charged with public indecency for using a women's changing room at a YMCA in Xenia. Uh, This individual was found not guilty of the charge at trial. Your ruling... Or again, your opinion is not a legal ruling, and it's not um, it's not a verdict. Um, but but can you tell me now that you have been given now that you have given this opinion as the attorney general of the state, would that have changed the outcome of a case like this? Uh, no, it wouldn't, and that's because the and, and by the way, my opinion was not requested as part of that uh, that case. And it had no bearing, but it wouldn't have had any bearing. And let me tell you why. Um, in order for there to be an indecent exposure charge under the law, uh, you have to prove by proof beyond a reasonable doubt um, that a person exposed themselves in a way that would have uh, made their private parts visible. Uh, to another person who would have been offended. Uh, that's, I'm not giving it to you precisely, but that's basically the elements of that charge. And you have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt. The court, uh, perhaps in a little bit of mental gymnastics, uh, found that the defendant was so obese, uh, you know what Dunlop's disease is, right? <laughs> my belly Dunlopped over yeah. my belt. Yeah, yeah uh, he said under these cases, nobody could have seen anything because of his belly, and therefore it wasn't proven by proof beyond a reasonable doubt. Without uh, offering any opinion about a case that I did not see the evidence or listen to the testimony, um, I, I this, this is a separate matter about the uh, regulation of public spaces under Ohio law that I've rendered an opinion on. Okay. Uh, completely different than the, the case that you mentioned. Yeah, I did. I do remember. I did not realize this was the same case. Not guilty by reason of obesity, uh, but that's exactly what happened here. <laughs> um, but 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 the but the the reality is though, um, what he did was a violation of in public indecency laws. What he did was go into a public space, or um, excuse me, a private space, but in a public facility. And, and took off his clothes in front of women, uh, and had he not been obese, they would absolutely have seen his private uh, anatomy, and and thus that would that would violate this. So your opinion, and in fact, why don't you explain to us what's on your website, Attorney General Yost, about what opinions from the Attorney General mean? They're not law, but what do they what do they do? Right. So uh, any prosecuting attorney in the state can ask me for instructions or certain state officers that say, basically, Dave, 
what's the law? I want to I want to uh, uh, follow the law. Please tell me what it is because I'm confused. Uh, and then I have an obligation on, in most circumstances to give them written instructions about what the law is. And we've actually got a section in our Solicitor General's office that does the research and the drafting, uh, you know, uh, on this. So uh, this is not a binding precedent. Uh, it is frequently cited by courts as, as you know, persuasive authority, uh, but it doesn't bind anybody to anything. It's one lawyer's opinion about what the law is. Uh, now, hopefully, it's well reasoned and without any skin in the game, so it's a good objective guide. Uh, but you know, the the law is passed by the Ohio General Assembly, signed or not by the governor, and interpreted by the courts. Uh, and uh, it's very. Thank you for giving me an opportunity to uh, talk about how our system divides up those functions. Oh, it's important. Yeah, extraordinarily important, which is, you know, but but even to the degree that it can impact the way a prosecutor approaches a case or how a judge hears a case, knowing that the attorney general has issued this opinion, it matters a lot, uh, which is why I'm glad you you took it so seriously. And I'm looking at it right now. It's 26 pages. When I tell people that you, you put a lot of thought and work into this, did a lot of research and backed up, brought the receipts, as the saying goes, uh, for for the opinion that you offered here. And I think people should, should read that. It, uh, is that on the website? Is that on the AG's website? Yes. Uh, all of our opinions uh, are, are published on our website. Uh, it's a wealth of information about things that we do. And let me add that if you've got uh, problems with anything in state government, even if we're not in charge of it, and we're not in charge of most of it, Mike DeWine's in charge of most of the government, uh, we have a way for you to contact us. And we will help you navigate the government. We'll help you navigate um, other complaints that you have, whether you know, it's consumer uh, problems, somebody's ripping you or a loved one off, uh, environmental problems. Reach out to us. We want to help you. We want to. We have a saying in our office that our mission is to do big good. I like that. I like that. Uh, and uh, the website for those who uh, want to hear it or want to see it, I should say, is ohioattorneygeneral.gov. Ohio Attorney General, all spelled out, ohioattorneygeneral.gov. Uh, you can read the opinion here that uh, Attorney General Yost and I are discussing and many other things as well. Thank you for doing what you've done here. There are not enough people fighting for simple common sense in law and uh, push back against uh, some of these things that are, quite frankly, very, very uncomfortable for people. Uh, it needed to be done, and I'm very glad you did it, and I thank you very much for coming on to talk about it. It's wonderful to talk to you, Bob. Have a great day. Thank you, A.G. Yost. That's Attorney General Dave Yost on AM 1420, The Answer. It's important information needed to get out, and I'm going to tell you what. I will bring on every public official who does something to help this pushback, this fight back against this indoctrination, recruiting, brainwashing uh, that is going on right now by a very, very um, hateful and, in my opinion, um, vile uh, political organization. This is not about an individual's pride in their own sexual orientation. This is a hateful political organization. They have political ends to meet, and that is what they are doing. They're going to do it for the next 30 days in what is called Pride Month, and we need more people to push back and fight against this agenda. 
Uh, Attorney General Yost just took a huge step in that direction with that opinion, and it's very important. All right, it's uh, 955, Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right Radio with Bob Frantz on AM 1420. The answer. Alrighty then, hour number two is underway at nine minutes past ten o'clock on this Thursday, the first morning of the month of groom in the year of our Lord, 2023. Um, I'm going to be posting it every day, uh, what I've already posted on my social medias. It'll be pinned to the top of my page each day of this month. Um, and it's a very simple message. Today is groom first, 2023, protect your children. Tomorrow I will post, today is groom second, 2023, protect your children. The threat against them is real. We talk about culture wars a lot. Sometimes it's just a you know, figure of speech, kind of a euphemism, but it, it, it's reality. We are in a war. Not every war is fought on battlefields that involve bombs and tanks and guns and, and so forth. Uh, the, the war this time, the battles this time are being fought over ideas, ideas and ideologies. And uh, that's what we continue to fight. <clears throat> this is a pivotal moment in that fight, this entire 30 days of grooming that they have planned to go after our kids in every public venue that they can possibly find. And we need to fight back. One of our leaders in this fight is Dr. Everett Piper, who joins us once again on AM 1420, The Answer. He is a weekly columnist, twice a week, actually, for The Washington Times. He is also a best-selling author, a past university president, a podcast host, and a county commissioner. Dr. Piper, good morning. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Hey, Bob, you know, this. I'm just going to start out by saying this. Any culture that dedicates an entire month to pride is a culture that's in free fall. C.S. Lewis said that pride is the sin that leads to all other sins. It's the complete anti-God state of mind. That's a quote from C.S. Lewis. We celebrate the foremost sin of all of human history. We feature it as an entire month as a culture right now, and we ignore the fact that pride is one of the seven deadly sins that the Church has taught for centuries, and like I said, and I repeat myself, many would argue it's the first of all sins. It's the sin that leads to all other sins. It is the complete anti-God state of mind. It's the original sin that we shall rise up and be as God, supplant God, claim that he's not necessary for us to define anything any longer, we'll decide what's good and evil, we'll decide what's right and wrong, we'll decide what a male is and what a female is, we'll decide it's pride, and we're celebrating it. We're putting it on the national calendar as if it's a virtue, when indeed it is one of the seven deadly sins, it's a vice. Yeah, and we're and we're going to talk more about what that means. I will say, though, I am a sinner. I think probably like all of us, uh, that feeling of accomplishment, that feeling of satisfaction when you do something that is that is that is positive and that is noteworthy, that was hard. I felt great pride, sinner that I am, when my daughter walked across that stage two Saturdays ago at Hillsdale and accepted her degree. Uh, I know how hard she worked for it, and I know what uh, what that meant to her. So, you know, pride is something. If it is a belief in yourself, a belief and a sense of satisfaction and accomplishment, is it still a sin? Yes, according to the Bible, according to everything you just described, it is. 
but it's at least understandable when you have indeed accomplished something that was difficult to accomplish, something particularly that was positive for yourself or for others. And, Dr. Piper, it's on that note that I want to address Pride Month, um, because proud of what? What accomplishment is being celebrated here? What accomplishment is being, uh, you know, is, is being, uh, uh, feted, is, is being, is being applauded? Uh, the fact that you're a male and you like and are sexually attracted to other men means you deserve a, a, a pride parade, a pride month. The fact that you are a little boy, uh, and somebody is helping you decide that you are a little girl, that means that there should be pride celebrations here. If you do indeed accept that pride is something that people feel, even though it may not necessarily be godly, and I don't mean you, I mean generally speaking, um, then then at least understand the difference between that accomplishment sense of pride and that, well, there's nothingness here. I don't know, I don't understand what the actual reason for quote-unquote Pride Month would be. Well, and I, I think there's two different issues in play here. I, I, I agree with the distinction that you're making. When you see it, when you feel a sense of... Uh, of uh, gratitude and emotional satisfaction when your daughter accomplishes something. You're not taking pride in yourself. You're not looking in the mirror and saying, I am as God. I'll define everything right now. No, it's the opposite. It's the opposite of the selfishness and the narcissism of sinful pride, which the Bible condemns, and rightfully so, and the selflessness of looking outward and being thankful for the accomplishments of others. Your country, for example, we can take pride in our country, and I don't think that's sinful. That's not biblical sin. We're grateful for our forefathers and what they gave us. It's a sense of accomplishment and satisfaction in the gifts and the grace that has been extended to us by those that suffered and died and sacrificed on our behalf, whether it be our mother and our father or whether it be, you know, generations before that. That's a very different thing than the vice of pride that the church has condemned for centuries. Okay, this is going to get complicated because <laughs> I want to get into your, I want to get into your column for this week, your regular weekly column, not Ask Doctor E. Uh, but but uh, is is it is it sinful pride to say I told you so? To say I said this, you said that, I was uh-huh. right, you were wrong. Therefore, I am puffing out my chest and saying I told you so. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I told you it was going to get complicated, didn't I? <laughs> hey, you know what? When I wrote that column, you know, I, I, I may be guilty. I'm mad. I'm angry. Um, is, is, uh, is it godly? Uh, I think, you know, in, if we go to the Bible, we see places where um, people have, who have stiffened their spine and said, no, not on my watch. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua. Joshua 9, be bold. Uh, and courageous, be steadfast and, and immovable. That's the Apostle Paul. Are these prideful proclamations? I don't think so, but I guess it's getting close enough to the point where when the Apostle Paul looks the church in the eye and says, essentially, now this isn't a biblical quote, but I think the spirit is there when we're told, hey, we told you so. We, the founding fathers of the church, we, the apostles, we, the saints, told you that you need to behave in a biblical fashion, otherwise, otherwise you're going to suffer the consequences of your sin. Is that an I told you so moment? In one sense it is, but I think I and you and everybody else, and I'll take the blame on this, I aggressively wrote that article with this intent. Look, we conservatives told you 
We told you this was going to happen. We told you when a Obergefell took place that when you dumb down the definition of marriage, that you're unleashing, unleashing the kraken of relativity and moral nihilism on all of culture, that nothing will be good and nothing will be evil. There will be no standards to judge sexuality, sexual morality, marriage, or anything else. We're dumbing down the definitions of male and female. We're dumbing down the definitions of what it means to be a child and an adult. We told you that you can't do this and continue to be a culture that's sane and healthy and safe. We told you that there would be consequences for bad ideas. Is that prideful? Well, I use the word we rather than I because I wanted it to be a statement of a collective group of people who understand the value of tradition, of history, of reason, of experience, as well as the trump card of revelation when you're trying to evaluate what's good and bad and what you should and shouldn't do as a people. So I, I, I don't think it's the same thing as celebrating your sexual deviancy for an entire month just because you have a desire to gratify your libido in a given way. I think we're talking about a different thing. Uh, I think that's very well said. And, you know, the we told you so. Uh, I, you, you were right. We were all right. Again, this is maybe the, the lead into the book that we're going to write together. Uh, but this is really um, uh, uh, kind of eye-opening, I think, or it should be eye-opening for a lot of people because what we are reaping right now <clears throat> is what was sown way back then. And the question is, is how far will we allow today's transgressions uh, to go before we recognize how much further down that slope we're going to slide. In other words, how much worse can it get? People seem to think, well, if this is as bad as it gets, that there's same-sex marriage, everything else will be fine. Uh, And now that, of course, you were right, quote, we told you so, um, and we were right. Uh, look at all of the things that are happening right now. The cover of Vogue magazine, I just saw it uh, on a tweet, uh, features a woman, very pregnant woman, dressed up in a man's suit with a man's haircut and a man's mustache, uh, ho- holding her pregnant belly out, and it's the cover, and it says tr- uh, Transgender Pregnancy Pride or something 2023. If that is is accepted as, hey, well, you know what, this is as bad as it gets, at least it won't get any worse. Dr. Piper, where, where, where are we in five years? Where are we in ten years if there isn't a massive cultural pushback against this right now? Okay, I'm going to say something, and even some of the listeners are going to say, ah, that'll never happen. <laughs> but you know that's the context of my article. Mm-hmm. Okay, if there are no standards for sexual behavior, and arguably that's where we are as a culture, there are no objective standards any longer for sexual morality. Uh, It's all relative. It's all driven by your desire rather than any objective definition as to what's right or wrong. So if there is nothing to judge sexual behavior as right or wrong any longer, then I'm going to ask this question. Why is the sexual act between a human being and an animal wrong? Oh, we'll never go there. That'll never happen. Well, why? Why? What makes it wrong, logically and legally, to engage in sexual behavior with anything or anyone, as long as you can claim there's consent? Well, the animal isn't consenting. How do you know? How do you know? Well, we'll never go there. I can't believe we're talking about bestiality on Bob's show right now. You ask the question, and I'm going to say to everybody listening, tell me what logically or legally will stop us from going there unless there's a revival where we actually acknowledge that there is a standard outside of ourselves, C.S. Lewis again, 
You've got to have a measuring rod outside of those things being measured to do any measuring. Right now, there is no measuring rod outside of the self to measure sexual behavior. And therefore, any behavior, any behavior, as long as you can claim that it's consensual, being in, between an adult and a child, and I guarantee you within five years, we're going to be talking about legalizing adult-child sexual behavior because it's consensual. Because if a 10-year-old can consent to sex change surgery, why can't that same 10-year-old consent to sexual intercourse with an adult? Logically, legally. I'm not arguing that it's right, but I'm telling you that's where we are as a culture. Absolutely. 100% agree. And that's the reason why I and I believe we and so many others are fighting so hard right now, because it is absolutely headed in that direction. Dr. Piper, uh, on Ask Dr. E, let's do this. Uh, I guarantee you any progressives and leftists who hear our conversation right now are saying you are dead wrong, Dr. Piper. Uh, you're wrong about everything that you just said, which leads us to this week's to Ask Dr. E. Why do conservatives insist on imposing their dead right and dead wrong fa- pharisaical nonsense on the rest of us sign fed up progressive from michigan you want to take that yeah that's an actual question that i received and we get it you get it i get it every conservative is confronted with that question whether it be from family members or somebody on facebook or whatever why do you conservatives keep forcing your dead right dead wrong your morality your views on everybody else your pharisees this is pharisaical nonsense well The question itself betrays itself, because this person who's criticizing me for thinking I'm dead right and dead wrong is claiming he's dead right and criticizing me for thinking that I'm dead right. He's sawing off the branch upon which he sits. He cannot sustain his own worldview. It's like saying, and I've said this before on your show, it's like saying, I can't tolerate your tolerance, or excuse me, I can't tolerate your intolerance, or I hate hateful people or I'm sure that nothing is sure, or I'm absolutely confident there are no absolutes, or I know that nothing can be known. Every statement that I just uttered is something that the progressives will say frequently. Believe me, in the academy they say it all the time. But every one of those statements is blatantly stupid and foolish because those statements are self-refuting. So when we're dealing with progressives who say, would you people just stop being so judgmental, our response would be, Is that a judgment that you're venturing on me? Aren't you judging me for being judgmental, and doesn't that that make you the very thing that you're condemning? Then be quiet and watch their head explode, because they don't know how to respond. Dr. Everett Piper is our guest. We're going to take a time out here. It's 1023. We're going to come back and talk about... um a situation uh, that happened here locally that Dr. Piper has been made aware of, of, of a Catholic priest defending the Catholic Church and now facing criticism and backlash for doing so. This, of course, is tied to the Los Angeles Dodgers and the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. I'll get Dr. Piper's take on that next. Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 1025, let's continue out with Dr. Everett Piper. We've only got five minutes left. Dr. Piper, um, 
You shared with me um, uh, an interview uh, that'll go nameless uh, because it's a competitor, but um, uh, the interview was with James Lindsay, who is not a competitor. James James Lindsay, excuse me, who is highlighting uh, the idea and the fact that Pride Month, which we are discussing, may be used to investigate churches in America. That people are uh, kind of infiltrating churches, pretending to be members of congregations or flocks or what have you, and are spying on the churches and the pastors and the priests see what they're saying about Pride Month or about, uh, you know, the LGBTQ community during Pride Month. You sent me that, <clears throat> excuse me, yesterday, and I responded this morning with an example of it, literally case in point. A Bay Village priest here in suburban Cleveland uh, is uh, facing, quote, backlash because he dared to defend the church. Mind you, he did not attack the LGBTQ community in a sermon this past Sunday at all. He simply defended the attacks on his church, on the church, on the Catholic church, bigger picture on Christianity against all Christians. He even said that. And this, of course, is in response to the hateful uh, drag group that is going to be honored with a Community Hero Award in Los Angeles by the Dodgers and by Major League Baseball. So, Dr. Piper, how, how do we win a battle when we're not allowed to fight? We're not allowed to even express disappointment, sadness, or anger at those who are expressing their hatred to us as people of faith. Well, we won't win the battle if we actually capitulate and do um, what they want us to do, and that is to cower in the corner and remain silent. And if we do, we'll continue to lose more and more of the freedom that is assumed to just be part of our constitutional republic. And I want to remind people, James Lindsay, and this is his own words, he's not a Christian. So this man does not share your faith nor mine. But he has, still has a, a God-blessed open mind, and he's willing to see the reality before his very eyes and not deny it. James Lindsay, in a co-belligerent way, is locking arms with you and me and saying, look, the Church should have the freedom to be the Church, and they're going to use Pride Month to come in and condemn you for any contrary statement that you make, any citation of a biblical passage that they don't like. Any declaration that a bunch of guys dressing up like nuns, and they're not even dressing like nuns, they're grotesque monsters in terms of the makeup and what they've done, and then calling themselves the sisters of perpetual indulgence, or whatever they call themselves, mm-hmm. and yep. mimicking a, uh, a pole dance on a life-size crucifix as part of their uh, routine. Surely, surely this is intolerant, this is not inclusive, This is the degradation of people that you don't agree with. This is exactly what the progressives condemn all the time. They tell us we're supposed to be tolerant. They tell us that we're supposed to be inclusive. They tell us that we should be open-minded to views that we don't necessarily share with others. But, oh, when the Catholic Church is the victim of their intolerance, then you can't speak up and defend yourself. This is crazy, and if we don't defend ourselves, and shame on whoever in that congregation, in that Catholic Church in Cleveland, shame on anybody who doesn't stand up and give the priest a standing ovation for simply defending the dignity of Christ. That's all he's doing. He's defending Christ, and he's being condemned by the leftists for doing so. He did not condemn LGBTQ. He did not condemn trans. He didn't condemn, he didn't even condemn the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence by name. He said directly, I'm not going to give them more uh, awareness or more uh, publicity by saying their names, but this group is attacking us. And he said, all he said was, it burns a hole in my heart. Uh, he said, it, it, it angers me, it embitters me, uh, and we will, um, uh, we will take uh, solace in the fact that, and I'm looking for the language right now, in the fact 
fact that we have the, um, here it is, we have spirit, we have the spirit of the living God who is upon us, who is with us, who is among us and within us. All he did was say, in the face of the attacks, in the face of the mockery and the blasphemy and so on and so forth that is being cruel at us, we will take solace in the fact that we have God within us. And that's it. And somehow that's not allowed, that's a bridge too far when defending yourself against such scurrilous attacks? And it was just yesterday where we knew that if we said that in the public square, like at the courthouse lawn, uh, we could be prosecuted for saying it. If we said it in a public school, you could be fired if you were a teacher and you said it. But surely, surely we thought we had the safety and the security of saying it within the four walls of the church? Uh-uh, uh-uh, we don't anymore. And we have to have courage, be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the in the work of the Lord. That's First uh, Corinthians 55 something, 13, if I remember correctly. Paul is telling us, stand in the face of the storm, be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. You have to be bold and courageous. This is the time to fight. Fight in a godly fashion, not in a prideful fashion, but fight as the prophets of old did, because if we don't, we're going to lose. I think you nailed that chapter and verse. Yeah, I can confirm. That's exactly what it was. I knew that off the top of my head. Dr. Everett Piper, and I kid, of course. Dr. Piper is a biblical scholar, and he knows exactly what he's talking about. Terrific stuff. Thank you so much for the great fight. Uh, We'll continue it again next week, sir. Blessings. Bye-bye. Blessings to you, too, Dr. Piper. It's 1031, and uh, that's it. That's it for our guest today. We had two great guests, and now we've got uh, a lot of opportunity. I want to hear from you. Are you from Bay Village? Are you a a parishioner at St. Raphael? Even if you're not, that's okay. I want to hear from you. But specifically, that story that we were just discussing, Father Tim Garreau, and I'm assuming his pronunciation is Garreau, uh, did you hear the the sermon? Did you hear about the sermon? How do you feel about it and about the hit job that is being done by the plain dealer on the priest and the parish? Uh, All because he dared to defend the church against these attacks. We'll talk about that next with you, hopefully, on AM 1420, The Answer. Nine four five, right back. Okay, ten fifty eight. We'll get. Uh, if you don't get on right now, by the way, don't freak out. I've got another hour, well, forty five minutes of it anyway, and plenty of time to take your calls after the break at the top of the hour. So stay there. Uh, Patty and Westlake is up next. Patty, go right ahead. You're on the air. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. How are you today? I'm wonderful. Thank you. I um, am so deeply troubled. I am a Roman Catholic. I do not belong to Saint Raphael's. I know you asked for that at the um, before the break. That's okay. I um. I um, had just had this conversation with my husband. How do we defend our faith and going forward? We need to pray to how do we respond correctly? And then this happened with Father Tim. I cannot tell you how grateful I am to him. He is very, very troubled. I don't belong to his parish. I'm in a neighboring parish, but I just stopped there to drop off a note for him. People need to send him notes. His heart is heavy. They need to flood that church, even if you're not a a parishioner there. And what I wish I would have told the secretary to tell him, keep moving forward. They did it to Christ first. And you will be blessed abundantly, Father. You You will be blessed abundantly. We need someone to speak up for us, and the diocese needs to come back stronger if it's warranted. 
You know, I, I agree, and it is warranted. And and I think your message is the right one, and moreover, your suggestion is an even better one. If you're not a member of St. Raphael Parish, flood that church overwhelmingly. I mean, standing room only, get in there on Sunday, even if you can go during the week, I guess, but on Sunday morning, uh, go and, and attend one of these masses and support Father Tim. He needs to hear that from uh, from all of us. I completely agree, and in fact, I don't... You know, week I, I, after I, week. Week after week, yeah. keep going, keep going, keep yeah. going. And, and, and it's got to start. It's got to start this week, though. It's really important this week because this just happened. And uh, as you say, his heart is heavy, and I'm sure this is a real, real problem for him. But he needs to know that we all support him and that what he said was right. He did not harm anyone. He did not criticize anyone. He did not condemn anyone. He simply defended the church that we all love, and uh, that's what we count on him to do. So we need to let him know. I think it's a great. He idea. had the courage. He had the courage to do it. There's every, not many out there. Quite frankly, that do it. every every priest and every pastor of any other Christian denomination church that does not speak out against what Major League Baseball is doing with this particular hate group that hates, you know, Catholics and Christians, I think is is they're derelict in their duty. They have a responsibility oh. to their flocks, to their congregations, to defend them. Uh so oh, what Father Tim did should be should be replicated by by priests and 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 pastors and reverends all across this country. Patty, thank this you for the call. A, yeah, I've got to get to the news. God, the, it is attack on God. I know it is. Not, thank you for the call, Patty. Catholic. Thank yep, you. It, it is all of that, and uh, we're going to continue this conversation after the news. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by KeepingMedicareSimple.com and The Floor King. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. is Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Ten minutes after 11 o'clock, hour number three underway on this Thursday, the first morning of the month of groom in the year of our Lord, 2023. Coming right back to the phones in a second about uh, the situation in uh, in Bay Village at St. Rayfield's with uh, Father Tim, but Here's an update to the story, not to the not to the Father Tim story, but to the group that he spoke on uh, during his uh, homily this past Sunday. The Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, the freak show slash hate group of drag performers who dress like nuns and mock all things Christ. Now, in addition to the honor that they're being given by the Los Angeles Dodgers and Major League Baseball on Groom 16th at the game on the Dodgers, quote, Pride Night, 
they're giving given the community uh, hero award for quote community service I no earthly idea what community they're servicing by dancing and and mocking Christ but this is what's happening in addition to being honored by the Dodgers and MLB on groom 16th they have another honor they're going to receive coming up in just four days on groom 5th this time they're being honored by California's lawmakers wait what yeah you heard me The California State Legislature's LGBTQ Caucus is poised to honor a member of the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, the controversial group at the center of a backlash engulfing the L.A. Dodgers. The Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, who identify as a group of queer and trans nuns, are known for mocking Christian beliefs, including holding an annual Foxy Mary and Hunky Jesus contest, pole dancing on crosses, and using the saying, go forth and sin some more. Michael Williams, a member of the group known as Sister Roma, who runs a podcast covering pornographic movies and LGBTQ issues, is on the honoree list for the California Senate's upcoming Pride Recognition Night. Quote, for more than three decades, Sister Roma has been one of the most outspoken and globally recognized members of San Francisco's Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Honoring the Sisters of Perpetual, excuse me, that was a part of the announcement made by the LGBTQ caucus, um, which is why they're honoring this, this person. Mark Trammell, executive director of the Center for American Liberty, said, Honoring the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, a group whose sole mission is to sexualize nuns and mock Jesus, reveals the true depth of hatred California's elected officials have for the millions of Catholics residing in the state. He's right. It does. It's one thing, and it's grotesque enough for a baseball team and the team's league, the organization of Major League Baseball, would allow this award to be given to this hate group. It's another thing now for the state lawmakers, even though it is the LGBTQ caucus, I ask you right now, LGBTQ community, is this what you are? As LGBTQ caucus members, you demand respect, not just respect, you demand applause, you demand celebration, you demand acclaim for your sexual identification, orientation, attraction, and proclivities. You demand it from others, that they respect who you are and that they give you parades and awards. And yet you don't have the common decency to show some sort of respect for others, for who they are. You're honoring a group that literally makes it their mission to mock and denigrate Christ and all Christians. I would love for somebody on the LGBTQ caucus in the state of California's state legislature to explain that hypocrisy. Tell me how you can demand that people look at you and and support you and express um, uh, pride during Pride Month in what you do when what you are doing to Catholics and Christians is the exact opposite of that. 
if anybody in any organized group made the type of fun of LGBTQ people, when I say make fun of, it's not fun, but it's you know the phrase of mocking and, and, and so forth, if anybody did to you what you do to the, the Catholic faith with this group, hate charges would be filed in two seconds. seconds against those individuals. If anybody mocked and did the things about you and to you that you do to the church, it would never be tolerated. And yet you are going to be given awards for doing those things to the faithful. It's it's impossible to comprehend. It's impossible to defend. It's impossible to make sense of. Bill is in uh, Bay Village. Bill, thank you for waiting. You're on AM 1420. The answer, go right ahead. Hi, how are you? Um, I was there at the 10 o'clock Mass on Sunday. Okay. I had a unique perspective because I'm in the choir, so I sit elevated. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was close to where this person was, um, and I saw the whole thing. So what do you want to know? Well, um, the only thing I know is what the Cleveland Plain Dealer reported, and they only gave a few lines that Father Tim uh, uh, stated during his during his homily. What, 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 what were we? Are we missing anything, or was there more context to it? Well, the the article I read it, it's not very accurate. Um, it's twisted, and Father met, never mentioned LGBT or Q, whatever. Right. Uh, he he never mentioned the group by name. Right. He said the only reference he made to the the incident was the Los Angeles Dodgers. Okay. And I think everybody knows who it is then because it gets received quite a bit of press. Um. And 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 I as a Catholic, I'm offended by it. I, I I think it's wrong. Um. But you know, I saw the individual come in late. Uh, that person sat down on the end of an aisle close to the altar, uh, and it was about oh, 30 to 40 feet from where I was sitting. Uh, but I had a clear view of the aisle and, and such. So. Did you recognize this person? Are they a regular parishioner? No, no. And I think she said that when she got up there that she was from Georgia. But she said she had been baptized by Father Tim, so I assume maybe she grew up here. And has since moved to Georgia. Okay, that, that's I what I was. That. That, I don't. That, I don't know that. You know, that's what I was wondering. So, so she marched right up to the father during the homily, or after it was over, or exactly when? After the homily, um, in the Catholic Church, we have like two pulpits. One is called the Ambo. That's the one where they do the homily from in the gospel readings. Right. And then Father goes back and sits down after the gospel. The the homily's over. Right. And uh, it's, he sits down for a moment of reflection, right. and that's when this person got up and uh, uh, hopped up on the altar and got on the uh, uh, the microphone at the uh, the pulpit and started to, to speak. And, and did she time, did she turn and and speak directly to Father Tim, or did she like face the uh, the 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 uh, congregation and speak to the church? Well, I think she was talking to Father Tim, um, but over the microphone so we all could hear it. Now, initially, when she got up to speak, the microphone was off. And and I, I don't know if what she said, the very few first things she said, that was inaudible to me. Mm-hmm. But then the microphone was turned on, and you could hear her, and she said that, you know, Father Tim, you had 
you had baptized me, uh, and and he said, yes, I did, and um, I, though he said that quietly, he he said it softly. Sure. Um, and then uh, uh, he said, I'm with, I have the Holy Spirit within me, and he said, yes, you do. Uh, and at that time, and then he said, then she said uh, about about uh, gay and trans people having uh, uh, you know having having the Holy Spirit. And that's when other people from the parish got up and uh, asked her to leave and escorted her to the to the uh, the door. When you say and, and, that uh, she they, came in late, how how late are we talking about? I mean, a lot of people show up late. You know, five minutes in, they maybe yeah. Just I mean, and, so that and, didn't raise. It didn't. I didn't really notice that it was real late, but I noticed her because of her unusual hairstyle. She had her hair was parted on the left. Combed over on the right was really long on the right side, and then on the left side it was like sheared. And yeah, I noticed so she was that. dressed. She was dressed. It, she was dressed like a typical trans uh, person or freaky person. And I'm sorry, I, I, I'm I can't. Sorry, I can't. Just, yeah, you know, I can't say. I don't. I don't. I know, know the description you're talking about. I've seen it. Yeah, and they always want to stand out. You know, it's so funny when they say well, they want to be. It, a, they want acceptance, but they always make themselves look very, very different, very, very deviant and, than other people. And then they complain when somebody actually comments on their appearance and, and is critical of it. But I want the, the only reason I ask how late she came in because you said that is I wanted to know if she was actually there to participate in the mass and actually uh, and actually be a part of the service or if she came in at the homily because she was there to specifically uh, cause problems and do what she did if she came in right at about that time because uh, there's a there's there's a there's an article and an interview that I read and, and heard part of in which it is apparently a part of the strategy this year for Pride Month for quote investigators to go into churches and spy on and um, uh, and and expose priests who are not being LGBTQ positive. And so I wanted to know if she was there as part of the congregation or if she was there to do what she did, which is specifically to cause trouble. You know, I, I can't really say because I don't know, but I know that she came in by herself mm-hmm. and sat out, like I, like I said, everybody was already in church. Uh, she came in late enough that I noticed her coming in late. And I noticed her haircut, um, uh, and, and I, I noticed that she sat down close to the front, which, uh, you know, as typical Catholics, we don't all sit close to the front, but yeah. hey, uh, that is what it is, but um, uh, she did. That means anyway, she had a plan. When, that means she had a plan, and this is the whole reason I'm asking these questions, Bill, and I am really I appreciate you coming on and giving us a firsthand eyewitness account here, but to me, if the, you know, she went up and sat where people normally don't sit, she sat on the end where she would have very easy access to jump up and go and do what she did, which is approach the altar uh, and, uh, and, 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 and make the scene that she made. Uh, and to challenge the priest uh, in the middle of the congr- in the middle of the uh, of the mass. And as I said before, every priest that I've ever known in my Catholic lifetime uh, welcomes you to come to talk to them after a mass, whether it's in a confessional situation or just a conversation. If you need some guidance, if you have some questions, they'll invite you to the rectory for crying out loud. She did this publicly in the mass instead of a private conversation with the priest because she wanted to achieve an, or to advance an agenda. That's what this did. It got her in the paper. It got the entire thing, and I think this is, I think Father Tim was 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 the victim of a setup. I think Father Father Tim was specifically targeted here by an individual who was going to go ahead and make um, and make noise on behalf of her political agenda. 
Well, I, I believe that to be true. And also some other things in the article, they talked about uh, that there was many people who were uh, upset with the homily. Quite frankly, there was a spontaneous applause when Father finished. Um, so I define many. That's a very really? term. Now that you know, that, hold so, on. So you're saying that the there was applause from the pews when Father finished his homily and before she went up there and did what she did. Absolutely. So absolutely. so so the, the likelihood is not only was she there potentially to set up Father, but that may have been in part a response to the congregation that agreed with him, that applauded with him, and said, "Yes, you know, we agree." These attacks on our church should not stand, and oh, by the way, you know, we're not going to do anything about it. We're not going to condemn or insult or anything else, any, anybody else, but we are going to let the Spirit of God residing within us bring us healing. That's all he said, and that's what they applauded to, and that was too much. That was too much for her because that's what this community is. It's a community of hatred and of bigotry and of intolerance of anybody that won't celebrate their own perversions. That's the reality. Well, well, uh, you don't have to respond thing, to that, Bill. I'm just I'm glad you told me about the applause. I'm glad that, that really says a lot. That probably triggered her to no end. If she was in any way doubtful or, or you know, unsure as to whether or not she was going to go up there and do what she did, that applause probably put her over the edge uh, and triggered her because it's 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 saying that you know, and and for her to go up there and actually defend the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, which is a hate group against Catholics, not a pro LGBT group. But a hate group against Catholics tells you all you need to know about what's really in her heart. Her heart here. It's not about pride, and it's not about you know her own her own self worth. It's about tearing down Catholics, and she uh, even though she professes to be one, it's uh, quite an astounding. There was, there was a couple other things um, when when she was asked to leave, uh, she was escorted to the door, and it's to a door that isn't normally used. I mean, it's just it's. It's just not a, 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 a the typical exit door. Right. Some people do, but not many. Yeah. So they said that there was people waiting to console her outside the door. I mean, I didn't see that when I saw her leave, uh, and I had a clear shot again from where I sit. Mm-hmm. Uh, one person opened the door for her, and she walked out. She turned to the left, uh, and I saw no one else. Um, so if there was somebody waiting for her, then then there was somebody waiting for her. That, it just... Uh, they knew she was coming. So right. I, I, that's all I can say about that. But that's, I don't know that to be true. I just think that to be true. Um, well, I think that's a lot of great information. And, Bill, I, I, I want to thank you for calling. I'm, I'm glad you gave us the, this information because almost – and, and, and you call back again. We'll probably talk more about this tomorrow. You call back again uh, if the, uh, if the uh, uh, urge should strike you to give us more information about this. But I'll say this for now as we head to our time out here. Um. This was this was play acted, and the way it was covered um, is should not be a surprise. The way the plain dealer told the story, uh, the way a, the LGBTQ community spins the story, is no surprise. This is this was theater. This was a performance. She came there not to be a part of a, a congregation and to participate in mass and then somehow was upset by something and then reacted emotionally in the moment. This was a planned event. The planned, she was supported, other people cried, and all the other nonsense that was told about this. This is all part of the theatrical production. And I mark my words. This is only the first. That happened last Sunday. 
wait until now that we are in the month of groom. Today is groom first. This is going to happen all every Sunday in this month. They're going to do this. They're going to go in there and they're going to play act their rage and their anger and their sadness and their victimization and their oppression because of their lifestyle and these 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 uh, intolerant Catholics, these intolerant Christians have no idea what kind of people they're hurting. That is what is, what is coming. I'll be right back. Delivering you from the depravity of the radical left. Always right radio with Bob France on The Answer. Well, I'll tell you what, that little promo or that little bump back couldn't have been more appropriate. It's depravity. Depravity, the depravity of the American left. The depravity of the American left. Don't ever understate that. It is depraved what we are dealing with right now. Um, I want to share this super quick with you. Um, a friend who is a parishioner at St. Raphael, who I reached out to last night, actually, when I first found out about this. This is a different friend who, uh, the, than the one who told me about it, but I reached out to him to see if he would have a contact for Father Tim because I would like to talk to him, either on the air or off, about his uh, you know, situation. And uh, this, is, uh, this is what happened today. Um, my friend John and his wife went to the 9.15 a.m. Mass this morning. At St. Rayfield. you got to go earlier. Is there an earlier Mass? Because if you go at 9.15, you're missing my show, so that's not good. But anyway, he went to 9.15, and this is what he said. Hold on a second. It's uh, kind of, my phone is kind of spamming up here. Um, Father Tim, let's see. Father Tim, the pastor, was on the altar with two other priests, the younger priest in our parish and a visiting priest. That surprised me for a daily Mass. Anyway, Father Tim did not say a word during the entire Mass. He left it to the younger priest and the visiting priest. After Mass, the three of them made a beeline for the sacristy. Uh, He said, I'm very familiar with it because I am a lector there uh, maybe once a month. Anyway, I went up and spoke with Father Tim. He knows me from being a lector, and because I usually I don't want to give that personal part out, I told him I was there just to encourage him, despite the attacks in the newspaper. I told him that my pronouns were fighting and Irish. I reminded him that I am a lawyer as well, and I gave him my card and told him to call me if he ever wanted any free legal advice or guidance on this or any other issue. He didn't say much, just thanked me for his support. So um, this has got to be so heavy on him. This has got to be weighing on him so much. And I'm glad to hear what my friend did this morning, and I hope other people do the same thing. I hope they step up, stand up for him, and show him uh, that they care and uh, that they support what he did and what he said. Um, John Stover is with uh, the president of the Ohio Value Voters Organization, I should say. Uh, Hey, John, good morning. You're on the air. Good morning, Bob. Bob, you know, let me just uh, state this uh, very briefly, but I but I thought it needs to be stated. You know, our organization, Ohio Value Voters, we are a Christian organization. We make no apologies for it. The bottom line is that uh, we are appalled by uh, this organization mocking Christ, you know, turning the cross of Jesus into a, uh, a pole that you would find in a, in a uh, bar, etc., Mm-hmm. and uh, performing the acts that they're performing. You know, the bottom line is that, you know, Bob, God has looked upon certain type of action that uh, you'll find in Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, it, the Scripture tells us that God actually gives these people up. 
many of them, to a reprobate mind. You, you know, we talk about salvation through Christ and uh, forgiveness of sin through Christ. You know, there's a point in time when God says, that's it, okay? And I would state one other thing, Bob. The mockery that they have today for the cross, for God's Son, one day, not in this life, but the next, they will bow their knee, as the Scripture states, to Christ for, for the fact that he is God's Son, and his name has been exalted above any other name in heaven, and that's what the Scripture teaches. But thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for bringing attention to this. Our organization is appalled by it and the uh, couple of hundred thousand people that we communicate with in the state of Ohio. Thank you, John. Uh, and I appreciate what you do and uh, Diane and everybody at uh, Ohio Value Voters. Thank you so much for that. <clears throat> and I'm sure, thank you, uh, And I'm sure Father Tim uh, appreciates that uh, support as well. Um, let's go to uh, TJ next in Cleveland. TJ, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Fire away, sir. Yeah, uh, you know, I think this Father Tim is what I would call a modern-day modern, modern martyr. You know, martyrdom can come in a lot of different ways, giving up your life, giving up your career. Uh, he stuck his neck out, and it's time for the rest of us to start doing that. And what upset me almost as much as these nuns of perpetual indulgence was this supposedly this woman that cried and left the church and said she's not coming back. Bob, you know it as a Catholic, and I know it. <clears throat> the left is infiltrating our church. And everything they infiltrate, whether it's a city, a state, government, they ruin everything they touch. And if, and if we don't uh, uh, tackle this problem, they're going to ruin our church, too. So I say if somebody's lefty, so-called Catholics don't like it, leave. I would rather be a smaller church and a believing church uh, than to uh, see what's happening now. And I just hope many of these... Uh, and I'll tell you another thing. I wonder if this woman was an FBI plant. Probably, you know, probably, yeah, probably not only because um, we got the verification from Bill um, that when she said, I was baptized by you, Father Tim, Father Tim acknowledged and said, yes, you were. So she did have an uh, association with the church. She had an association with the parish and with Father Tim. So the odds that it was a, a, an FBI plan are probably pretty long there. But, um, but yeah, I do think it was a plant. I think there are LGBTQ individuals who have made it their mission. Like I said, James Lindsay was reporting on this, that uh, their mission is to go to churches throughout the month of June. I know this just happened this past Sunday and still, still May. But, but, um, but throughout the month of June, they're going to go to churches. They're going to listen for anything that's remotely anti-LGBTQ. LGBT or that is just not sufficiently pro and LGBT uh, Q and uh, and they're going to and they're going to create scenes and they're going to attack and they're going to target these places for cancellation or whatever whatever other kinds of misery they can bring upon them. And let me just say one thing and, and then I'll get off real quick. I want to say this to all the clergy out there, the ones that are afraid to stand up and will side with these lefties. A bishop in New York said it. I don't know. It was about a year ago and it was true. He said, a, a wolf in sheep's clothing is bad. What's disastrous is a wolf in uh, clergy clothing. And I just hope a lot of them think this is the time to stand up and fight this, not to shrink, not to give in to the left because you're worried about maybe losing parishioners. It's time to stand together and fight this. Yep, very, very well said. Thank you, TJ. I appreciate it. I want to get one more call in here um, from Bay Village. This is... Um, Person wishes to remain anonymous, but says that he or she was in the church. So let's go ahead and do this. You're on the air. Go right ahead. Yeah, Bob. Uh, how are you? 
Uh, just fine, thanks. Uh, what, I was what, I, I was the, I was the per, I was the person in the article actually that went outside and um, asked these people to leave the premises. Really, in, in the article, yeah. Okay. And I don't want to say a whole lot about it because there's a possible, um, you know, um, uh, pressing charges on me. But the article quotes me as saying, "I told them, all three of them, that if I saw them in church." I would shoot them or kill them. And I'm just going to tell you, as God is my judge, and I'm a daily mass goer, there, that did not happen. Um, I apologize for not being totally aware of that part of this. I don't know that I saw that line in the article. They, they accused you of threatening to kill them? Yes. All, yeah, there's three of them. Now, there were words that went back and forth, um, but... This, that, is, the, this wanted, is the part outside where the police ended up showing up, right? Yeah, that's that's correct. Yeah, the okay. police were called on me, I believe. Okay, and they. they but I've been, claimed... a I've been a prisoner for I've been a prisoner for thirty years there. My wife, well, I, I don't want to get into any of this. But... Okay, no, I, I understand and I respect that, and and I'm glad you called me to say called me to tell me this because I obviously need to look at the end of this article a little bit more closely. Well, there were there realize... were a couple articles. There were a couple. There were a couple articles, Bob. So I don't know which one. This one came yeah, out. Yeah, the one, the but... one, the one that I, the one that was sent to me last night from Cleveland.com and that I've been quoting this morning uh, did not mention that that I saw. Uh, so so this yeah. is. Another article you're talking about, but it does the indeed it's on brand with what make you the the the, the pastor, uh, the you know the the uh, uh, the church itself uh, out to be the intolerant bigots who wish harm upon them. That makes them and, and, them and, and, and I just want to I, I don't I, I just want to say it. I don't know if it'll come off this way, but I was I had my two grandchildren with me in the church, and when they when this person said that there are queer children in here too. Uh, I just I waited for about five minutes. I went outside to see if these people would still be there. Certainly they were there. I walked over and I said, Get, you know, just, you know, it was my I was I was seething. OK, and, and that you. was wrong. But 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 I, I just I, I was crying, actually. No, I don't blame you, and I, I, I'll disagree with you when you say it was wrong. You said something that was right, and that is take your hatred elsewhere. Don't bring this to our children. I have to go. Thank you for the call. I appreciate you very much. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.